Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, episode 35. And remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Fun show today, Nathan Meissen, the Vice President of Government and Stakeholder Relations with Fire and Flower. Uh, he's got a great backstory and he's got a great insight into the future. We're going to talk about some of the regulations, we're going to chat about why things are different all over the country and um, man, he has a very, very busy gig so I'm glad that he gave me some time to chat here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Chris Ianson of Nova Cannabis, Jasper Avenue, will be back with What's That Strain? He was off on vacation and he brought back Barry White. That's B-E-R-R-Y, White. Barry White is the strain we are doing today on What's That Strain? We gave David Wiley of Okanagan Z the week off, so no this week in Cannabis News, but I do have some news for you anyway. The Cannabis 101 podcast will be at the Cannabis Expo in Edmonton. It goes April 25th and 26th at the Expo Center. And we will have some tickets to give away so you can get into the show for free. But if you uh, are interested, you can just easily find some tickets at CannabisHempExpo.com. That's www.cannabishempexpo.com. So we're going to be on hand. We're going to be, have some uh, goodie bags to give away. And if you want to be on the show, you just drop by our booth and we'll do a quick interview. So that's on April 25th and 26th at the Edmonton Expo Center. It is the uh, Cannabis and Hemp Expo. And as mentioned, we'll have um, a few tickets to be giving away leading up to that show. All right. You know it. If you've listened to this show, there's one way we kick things off. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Weed is awesome. This is great. This is the bee's knees. So when I say what's your groove, if you're smoking a joint, you got a bong, a pipe, some edibles, some capsules, oils, whatever. If you're grooving to something from the cannabis plant, I want to know. Maybe you have some CBD to just relax. Maybe you have some THC to get elevated. You want to get high. You don't want to get low. So I'm grooving with Blue Dream. It's one of my favorites. It just puts me in such a great mood. So I'm going to get my groove on, if you don't mind. Smooth. I love it so much. Blue Dream is what I am grooving with. You mind if I do it, Jay? No, man, you're the dude. You do whatever you want. And I wonder what the dude grooves to. 
I really wonder, I'd like to know what favorite strain the dude has. Um, oh, Blue Dream is one of my favorites, and, and it's something that I know works well with me from past experience, but it's also recommended to me uh, in my Lobo Genetics dashboard because I tried out the Lobo Genetics DNA kit. You can as well, and you can get 50% off with the promo code CANNABIS101. All one word, CANNABIS101. Make sure you enter that at lobogene.com. Get your very own Lobo Genetics DNA kit and tailor make your cannabis for you. It should be tailor-made for people, and now you can do that. You can find out how cannabis works with you and how you metabolize cannabis. There are uh, so many unique ways that you can look at how cannabis reacts to you, whether you want whether you're a THC or a CBD person. Uh, how you metabolize THC. What kind of risk for negative mental health effects from THC are you at risk for? What about memory loss? Are you at risk for memory loss when it comes to THC? So there's lots of great things you can find out about yourself and cannabis when you head to lobogene.com and use the promo code CANNABIS101, all one word, to get 50% off your DNA kit. It's like having your own bud tender because then you get recommendations for what strains are good if you want to be happy. Calm, sleepy, energetic, focused. It's great. And you know what else is great? I love hearing from you guys, the listeners. Um, I got this uh, direct message on Twitter from Chris. Says, I'm, joy I'm enjoying the show, Dean. Thanks for doing what you do. I'm behind in the pod, but gradually catching up. I'm fairly new to the cannabis scene, just a few years, and I'm enjoying responsibly experimenting with different strains thanks to your pod. Can you recommend a nice strain, indica, or hybrid with low THC uh, to help wind down before bed? Cheers, Chris. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that uh, somebody reached out. Listen, first of all, I will say I'm not a cannabis expert, but I do talk to a lot of cannabis experts. And, you know, I, I what I suggested, um, I did su suggest a, uh, um, a few different strains um, that this listener, Chris, might want to uh, dive into, but I also recommended the DNA kit from Lobo Genetics because that's where you can find out exactly how it works for you. So there's another situation. So hopefully Chris um, gets uh, the information he's looking for. He also added that he greens out a lot. So he was looking for something low. So th th what I'm saying is he needs to and, and, and all of us, uh, if you really want to dive into it as much as you can, do the DNA kit and then find out for yourself exactly um, how cannabis is going to affect and react with you. So there you go. Thanks very much to Chris. And I look forward to uh, hearing from him about uh, some of the strain recommendations. <laughs> This 
is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Time now for our cannabis question. And as usual, we will have a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack up for grabs, throwing a few cool things that we've accumulated together. The question is, what is the next big thing in cannabis? We've seen flour and oil. We're seeing edibles. Some people are seeing vapes. Alberta is still behind uh, and a few other provinces when it comes to uh, vaping products, vape pens. And then we're going to see drinks. And then what? What's the, like, there's always got to be something coming when it comes to cannabis. So what's the next big thing? For me, it's consumption cafes. The ability to maybe vape. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to smoke, um, possibly on indigenous lands because the rules are very, very different as we know uh, on indigenous lands. So so maybe you'll be able to, because you can go to the River C- uh, Creek Casino here in Edmonton and smoke cigarettes. I don't know why you wouldn't be able to smoke marijuana there. So we might see that in those areas, but consumption cafes, maybe where you can vape or you can eat. You can eat uh, cannabis-infused meals. Uh, the Butter Chef says medicinal. That's going to be a big thing, and, and, and let's hope so because there are so many people that need it. I don't know as much about uh, medicinal cannabis as I do about recreational, so um, I we'll see if that grows. Seeds and home growing from uh, Graeme Sen. You know, maybe we'll be able to grow more than four plants per, per household. That would be nice. Cannabinoids from Spilly Nelson. That is such a huge one because we hear a lot about THC and CBD. Uh, wait till we hear about CBC or uh, THCV or some of these other ones. We're going to explore. And, and that's the my favorite thing about legalization is the amount of research that is going to be done on this plant so we can really dial in how to help somebody. Jake says topicals, patches. I'm no expert, but those two feel like logical next steps. And yeah, I'm looking forward to topicals. I get knee pain. I've had, uh, I've damaged my ACL twice in the same knee and it aches on me at times. So I would like to, to get into uh, topicals for sure. And muffled scream says, I can't wait to see extracts like rosin, hash, shatter, Live resin, etc. A dabble, do ya? Chris Einson was telling me bubble hash is uh, on the way. So there's something to uh, look forward to there. So that's our cannabis question. As mentioned, we'll have a prize pack up for grabs. Uh, if you want to chime in, you can do that on any of our social media feeds. Twitter, at the Cannabis 101. Instagram, at the Cannabis 101 podcast. Facebook, same thing, at Cannabis 101 podcast. And you can email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to remain anonymous, that is totally fine as well. By the way, check out past episodes, contests, and so much more at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. And of course, we have a YouTube channel now and a channel on the Weed Tube. So make sure you check out both of those for the latest uh, videos from the Cannabis 101 podcast. We will be putting up full episodes soon, as well as breaking them down, and we will be doing 
some product reviews. As for what goes well with cannabis, that's anything that pairs well with cannabis. For me, it's conversation. Uh, I just find uh, a conversation goes so much farther uh, when you bring cannabis into the equation. That's the way I feel anyway. Uh, what about you? What goes well with cannabis for you? What do you pair with cannabis? And before we get to our first and big guest of the day, Nathan Meissen from Fire and Flower, I want to tell you about Legendary Barbershop, 117th Street and Jasper Avenue. They love talking cannabis. Ask for Morgan. She's my niece, and she will take care of you. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very happy to have in studio with me today at Podcast Alley, uh, the Vice President of Government and Stakeholder Relations at Fire and Flower, uh, Nathan Meissen is joining me. Thanks so much for um, being a part of the show today. Welcome to Podcast Alley. And um, before we get going, maybe tell us what VP of Government and Stakeholder Relations for Fire and Flower exactly is. It's a big title, and I think it comes with a lot of responsibility. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, having me. I'm very excited to uh, to be here and have the conversation about um Alberta, cannabis, fire and flower, the country, lots going on, lots of exciting things. So um, fire and flower at this moment of time, luckily enough uh, that I get to say is not only Canada's largest retailer, but we're actually the world's largest cannabis retailer. That's amazing. It's a crazy thing to say, um, especially because I was the first employee in Alberta. So having that opportunity to kind of go from number one to now having in, you know, six, 700 employees is it's phenomenal the kind of growth that we've seen in the um, in the last two years. So, um, government and stakeholder relations is really interesting because um, in cannabis, which is one of the most heavily regulated sectors that are out there, especially because we were out prior to legalization, mm -hmm. my job was to work at the municipal, provincial, and federal level to make sure that we understood the rules, how to conform to them, where the rules didn't make sense, that we could try and push back against. Um, I also do our uh, media and communication, so I'm the one that also helps with news stories and placements and mm. all of that stuff. Um, so it has been an interesting road of um, taking the con uh, the company from, um, you know, when I when Harvey Shapiro, who's our executive chairman, approached us, we were going to be three to five stores. And I was going to run it off my desk um, and we were going to be in Edmonton and uh, Calgary. And then it was I talked him up to five to seven. Right. Uh, we were going to do uh, three in Edmonton, three in Calgary and one in Red Deer. And then Trevor Fencott joined us and Trevor's our CEO. Um, and he came in with a much larger vision. He was, of course, just finished off being the uh, the co-founder of Metrum, which was the third licensed producer in Canada and had just completed a successful exit when um, a small little cannabis company called Canopy uh, <laughs> bought Metrum and merged them into the super group that they became today. And Trevor came in with a mentality that we were going to do 15% in every market that we hmm. could potentially came in. And that all of a sudden was not off the side of my desk anymore. That was a big thing. So um, 
my job is to represent now it has evolved to the fact that um, there's lots of policies that are tough for cannabis companies to exist in uh, right now from high taxation, very difficult marketing rules, um, municipal uh, rules that don't make sense, um, federal rules where the federal government won't talk about cannabis. Uh, my job is to work with other people to make sure that we can start to change the rules so that cannabis can uh, legally start to displace the illegal market and um, making sure that we're breaking down the stereotypes that people believe and showing that cannabis is a safe, responsible product that is tested by Health Canada um, that is going to create good jobs and uh, create good income and uh, be something that will really define Canada in the next century. I imagine it's a lot of work and you're dealing with a lot of different things and we'll kind of um, get to some of that as we go. But I always like to get backstories of people because mm -hmm. for the most part, we all did something before cannabis. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you're lucky enough to come right out of school and get into this industry, which would have been awesome when I was 18 or 19. But what was life like before cannabis? What did you do? So I, um, I've had an interesting career, but uh, I came out of hospitality. So um, I'm a uh, cook who um, pretended he was a chef and then married a chef and then realized <laughs> that I was just the cook. Um, I uh, was in charitable uh, organizations for a long time and was an entrepreneur. Um, I was a lobbyist and an activist in, um, in Alberta and Canada, working on um, interesting files like uh, the Northland negotiations with the city of Edmonton, the Dynalife file with um, wow. the negotiations with the province of Alberta, um, uh, working with Alberta Pork. I was the event producer for Porkapalooza. Um, so I've had lots of opportunities to to, um, to have, to do different things and um, to stand up big ideas and kind of like figure out how to work through the governmental process, um, which is exactly sometimes what you need to do in cannabis, right? Like mm -hmm. we started this, I, I joined in November of 2017. We were a year away from legalization. Um, so when we were first going to market, we were selling a concept, right? Like, hey, this is coming. Just wait and see. It's going to look like this. And people are like, yeah, no, yeah. that's not going to be what it's like. So, <laughs> but understanding the the perseverance, the, the push, um, good optics, good operators, and good opportunity um, from the previous work that I have done was something that we brought into the cannabis. And, you know, those relationships, when you stand up and fight for other things were mm -hmm. very necessary when we were standing up trying to build a sector from the ground up. And that's really what it was, right? Like, um, you know, the legacy operators who had operated legally before operated before legalization was one thing, but we were purpose built purely to operate in a legal environment. Mm -hmm. And that was a very different thing. Like landlords didn't believe what you're saying, you know, government was like, ah, it's coming. We'll get to it. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of challenges. It was a lot of heartache and I'm very lucky. I have a very patient life. <laughs> As am I. So were, were you, was this something that you were saying, cannabis is coming, I'm going to go after this? Did somebody, you know, how did you, I, I know how you were the first employee in Alberta, but how did you end up that? Was it something that you sought? Did somebody seek you out? Yeah, so I, so Harvey Shapiro, who's our executive chairman of uh, Fire and Flower and, and the person who started Fire and Flower, um, I had lucky enough to work with Harvey um, who was the co-founder, pardon me, the founder of Dynalife. Mm -hmm. So he founded Dynacare. 
Um, and then he had worked a long time to uh, build up Dynacare across the country. And he, of course, had some significant feelings about Dynalife when it was going through the RFP process. And um, we had built a really good relationship when we had worked through that uh, process. You know, that was a $3 billion RFP. Yeah. Um, so when um, he was standing this up, he wanted to do it specifically in Alberta because Alberta was we're talking about cannabis legalization, which a lot of the other provinces weren't even mm -hmm. doing. And I think it was because of our AGLC model, um, the Alberta Gaming and Liquor Commission model in Alberta because of our privatized alcohol. Um, there was a, a pathway that Alberta would be the furthest ahead. So he asked me um, to come uh, um, run this off the side of my desk. He was also the founder of um, Emblem Health, which was a licensed producer and I represented them nationally as mm -hmm. well. So I had already had that relationship. But, um, you know, the interesting thing I think that we forget about uh, the cannabis was, um, is that, you know, this is Canada's internet in some regard. Like we That's really- a great way to look at it. We that. took a bold leap, right? Like we're the first G7, first G20 country, the rest of the world is looking. So when I started in November of 2017, two countries on earth, Canada and Uruguay, were talking about legalization. Mm -hmm. It's now 54. Like Canada has really laid the path for um, um, cannabis legalization around the world. And to be a small part of, of something that's this big um, was really exciting. And, you know, I have a, a 12, a nine and a four year old now, um, you know, that they were going to grow up in a legal world. Mm -hmm. And if I could help build out a legal world that made sense for them, that was treated with respect for them and for um, a legalized product while uh, trying to work for the elimination of bad actors in the illegal market. Mm -hmm. um, that was a really exciting thing to be a part of. And it's just, it, it's been an, an incredible ride and uh, an amazing opportunity. And the, just the opportunities to listen and to learn um, has been outstanding. So, you know, I didn't seek it out, but I couldn't have imagined not being a part of the journey now. It's it's amazing how um, things just happen. You know, you're, you're not searching for them, but uh, it, it, you discover it. Um, and, you know, it's you guys talked about a couple of stores here and mm -hmm. there in the beginning. And then you kind of pivot to something that's, uh, you know, grander. What has been the biggest growth of the industry that you've seen since you started? Oh, that's a great question. I think the greatest growth is the world looking at Canada. Um, so the I think the, the wonderful and terrible thing about Canadian Confederation is we have done 13 different provincial and territorial models yes. uh, for cannabis regulation. We've done hundreds of different municipalities, um, all while having a federal regulator who primarily has been the um, agent of prohibition for 80 years underneath yep. health. Um, they legalize combustion first, um, smoking cannabis flower. Um, 30 years of being the people who have told us not to smoke plant matter. That's a very interesting circumstance. So um, going through and working with people who are willing to repeatedly get punched in the face over and over day by day to try and bring a sector to legality um, with that level of uh, differentiation and dynamism has been truly outstanding um, because, you know, it, 
it was crazy. Like, you know, I remember days where you'd wake up in the morning thinking you were going to do something else and that you had a regulatory framework that you understood. And but halfway through the day, it was like, well, throw that out the window. <laughs> Everything's Start different, over. right? Like a lottery in Saskatchewan, yeah. a lottery in Ontario, a lottery in Edmonton, right? Like um, first to order in, uh, in Calgary. Like it, it was every day was different and to be a part of something where every day was different um where every place you go is different is again i've never been a part of something like that that it kept you on your toes and it has been wonderfully challenging wonderfully frustrating and exhilarating all at the same time we have seen flour um we are seeing edibles now um we will get to vape pens at some point mm -hmm. and drinks so we've seen cannabis season one, uh, I say season two. Our cannabis question this week on our episode is, what's the next big thing? Uh, you know, people have chimed in on uh, social media that, uh, you know, the medicinal um, consumption cafes has been brought up, um, uh, more with food, things like that. What do you think is the next big thing after we get through vapes and drinks and edibles? So I think the thing that, you know, I'm always most interested about is um, cannabis. There was some great research done out of Deloitte that estimated that within five years, a retail and cultivation for cannabis is about six to 8 billion. Hmm. Um, and that's a significant number in and of itself, but the ancillary market. So that's um, point of sale, security, construction, glass, window wrappings, blah, 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 lawyers, accountants, all the other things. Um, you know, that's three and a half times as big. Like the estimate is that's 26 to $35 billion market. Wow. So we all focus on cultivation and retail, and we haven't paid attention for traditional economic actors who are in society, who are a key facet yeah. of the cannabis uh, cannabis sector that have, haven't raised their voice up. And I think cannabis is like an iceberg. 10% um, is about the above the water and 90% is below. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know. Like some of the research that is out there, you know, um, we primarily know, we talk about two cannabinoids, THC and CBD. There's a, over 140 in the plant. THCV is a natural diet suppressant. Like, like THCP is 30 times stronger than THC. Like the, the opportunity for research, innovation, um, subject matter expertise and the export to that for the world is so exciting to see what Canada will be. So a circuitous way to get there is, I think the really exciting thing is taking the Canadian cannabis experience, doing a best practice review and sending it everywhere else. Yeah. There's Set the standard. 54 nations in the world now, what will it be in three years? So why can't Canada have an opportunity to really lead that? It's our internet. Mm -hmm. Let's export that to the world. And we're not talking about exporting retailers and cultivators. We're talking about lawyers. The system, yeah. Right? Like we're talking about accountants. We're talking about all of those other businesses that'll export around the world. And that's like, the estimate is that the cannabis uh, cultivation retail market is $250 billion, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you think about a three and a half times multiplier, that's a trillion dollar market when it includes ancillary businesses. Like that is significant. And Canadians own 80% of that. 
And I want to do everything in my small power to help us um, continue to convince politicians that wrap your arms around this and let's export Canada's expertise in cannabis to the world so that we can take that trillion dollars and bring it home because mm -hmm. we have 80% worldwide. That's right, yeah. And I, that's exciting to me. That gets me up every day. That gets me uh, to pick up the phone and start another conversation because that's what my kids could inherit. You know, it's it's so interesting uh, when you kind of speak about setting the the best example that we can for this down the road. And and you're right when you talk about the you know my favorite thing you know other than being able to go and grab a a pre roll at Fire and Flower, come home and nobody's banging on my Thank door. Thank you for that product placement. I you're, appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. I'm <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm not the dumbest guy. Um, but I love being able to do that. Nobody's banging on my door and mm -hmm. and, and going to call the cops. But the research into what you were talking about, um, you know, the the cannabinoids. I mean, most people think they know what THC is and that pot gives you the munchies. Well, there's a cannabinoid that does the exact opposite. Yep. You know, it is great for uh, creating an appetite for some patients. And, you know, I, I know that uh, lots of people that have dealt with cancer ha have used it for the nausea, but it also can suppress. So there's so much, like you said, that we don't know about the plant and i know you guys are on the the rec side but all the research on the medical side is just it's going to open up so many eyes in my opinion down the road well and i completely agree and i think the thing that we you know one of the things that's really interesting is when the original cast uh cannabis task force uh led by edmonton's own Anne mcclellan mm -hmm. and 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 uh, dr ware from canopy um you know they they talked about the allocation of cannabis in three different categories wellness um, medicinal and recreational. And I think that's a really interesting circumstance because, you know, we have a real opportunity to um, own intellectual property and research and take that and license it to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the interesting, exciting stuff that is being done in the University of Alberta. Um, there's an incredible institute in Saskatchewan called the, the Cannabis Research Institute of Saskatchewan uh, called CRIS, mm -hmm. which is seven interdisciplinary academic pursuits that are sharing resources from botany, genetics, um, child epilepsy, veterinary sciences. Um, Inatech in Vagerville is doing incredible research where they have North America's largest decortalization plant, which is hemp that they grow that's 18 feet tall they harvest the leaves and the flower for cbd they dry the top of the plant which is perfect for um um paper and the bottom of the plant which is perfect for mm -hmm. uh fabric one acre of hemp is equivalent to 100 trees for paper production it's insane and we have the largest plant in north america in vagerville and they've been doing research for 17 years yeah like the opportunities are mind-blowing when you actually start to think about it and we're not thinking about it and that's what's really exciting that you know some of us need to continue to work out there and say sure it's an inebriant mm -hmm. it gets you high we get it you know reefer madness we've seen the things yep. you know the the psa specials you know it's the gateway drug we understand that's a key component of what we as educators retailers, the sector have to, to work to kind of dispel some of those myths. But the economic opportunity to change the narrative and really unlock what this becomes is incredible. Mm -hmm. And Canadians are leading the world 
And if we're not careful, the rest of the world is going to start to pass us by. And we need people to wrap their arms around it before that starts to happen. So there are some people that think that's already happening uh, with just state by state, um, um, I guess, differences and, and things like that. But uh, hopefully it doesn't get there. How difficult is it um, that every province is different? And why is that? Can you explain why it's not just one blanket rule for the country? If I could do that, I would probably be in a very different position. Um, why can't we ship wine from BC to Ontario or Ontario to BC? Right? Our interprovincial trade rules are a whole different thing. So it's not just cannabis then, yeah? No, Canada has an interesting circumstance um, when it comes to uh, trade. Like something as simple as, you know, the federal government, who is the, the order of government who legalized cannabis, why did you do individual province by province excise tax? or excise stamps. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you create one excise ta uh, stamp that could have potentially created a free flow of cannabis across um, Canada? The other thing too is, you know, when you think about um, uh, rules and regulation, you don't think about like dynamism and quick, quick development. And because the federal government legalized, um, the provinces then had to quickly figure that out. And then the municipalities had to quickly figure it out. Having those three orders of government involved, and let's not forget that they forgot about First Nations and Métis yeah. and, and that whole kettle of fish in and of itself. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is it was much easier for what was already happening to bolt cannabis onto that. The BCLDP mm -hmm. in British Columbia. AGLC in um, in um, Alberta, you know, um, the LCBO, which became the Alberta or the AGCO in Ontario, it was much easier for them to take what they already knew in mm. other uh, products and just bolt it on. I think one of the things that we really need to push for now um, is, you know, we have 13 different models, three different territories, 10 different provinces. Um, it would be great to see a best practice review. Yeah. What is the best practice? You know, w at Fire and Flower, we're very partial to the Saskatchewan model. Um, you know, we have a direct relationship with our licensed producers. It is a privatized wholesale and distribution model. We are price competitive to the illicit market because we don't have a middle, uh, a middle person sitting in the middle of getting cannabis too. Mm -hmm. um, that creates a very different circumstance where we can actually now compete the illicit market, right? Because you know, in most markets, legal cannabis is $5 a gram more expensive yeah. than illegal cannabis. And most of that's because there's a lot of hands in that pot taking money off the top. A lot of taxes. So, you know, if, if the true mandate is to keep cannabis out of the hands of youth and suppression of the illicit market, a model like Saskatchewan is something that we're very partial to. It just so happened we also had edibles and vape on December 18th mm -hmm. in that market because you have less, there's less hoops to go through when you can talk to directly. And so, you know, I think that um, the 13 uh, has had its run. Um, and I think we should be asking the federal government to really undertake a uh, best practice review and decide in conjunction to the fact that the world wants to know what we did well and what we didn't do well, how we're fixing it, and then should they export that model? Because Right now, they're looking in and picking the best of pieces mm -hmm. and then taking that to their own countries. 
why aren't we exporting the best of the best and then sending that around the world so that Canadian companies um, can have competitive advantage in those markets? How difficult will it be to do that? A best practice review? Yeah. Like, well, yeah you're getting, that means you're getting everybody to agree on something. Well, no, it, it, it? like cannabis legalization is from the is from the federal government. Yeah. So the federal government could do a best practice review. So, you know, provincial regulators interpret the rules of the federal system. So when, um, you know, when we had prev provincial regulators that tells uh, or tell us that we can't do things around marketing, for example, right. they're quoting the Cannabis Act federally, right? They're not quoting the Cannabis Act provincially. Okay. So the, the Canadian government could undertake a really interesting process of perhaps bringing people together or undertaking the process and asking the provinces what works and what doesn't work. But we have to keep in mind mm -hmm. the three pillars of legalization were um, a tested product that rem that was had no pesticides, no herbicides, no mold. And I think we've done a, a pretty damn good job of that part of it. Uh, but the other two were uh, the elimination of the illicit market, the illegal market, and keeping cannabis out of the hands mm -hmm. of youth. The illegal market is flourishing in this country. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's crazy. Companies can't compete with a price that the, the illicit market can do. They can market however they want. They can sell any variety of product that they want, and they'll sell to youth if it means they can make a buck. So if those are the mandates that we have to do for cannabis legalization, let's talk about what we're not doing to achieve that goal and then figure it out and fix it. Okay, so do you get a sense, and, and you talk to um, a lot of people within the government and the industry, do you get a sense that these strict regulations will loosen up soon, whether it's on advertising, uh, maybe uh, consumption cafes? So, so, uh, do you get a sense that we're a year and a bit in, there's any loosening of these regulations, or do you think it's going to be years? So I think... You know, one of the things that's really interesting about cannabis legalization in Canada is there was nine states that were legal prior to Canada going legalized. And the primary one that everybody looks to is Colorado. Right. Right. Because they were the uh, first, right? They were the first. Yeah. And, you know, um, in true, you know, um, get her done, regulatory be damned fashion, it was like, pew, pew. Yeah. Here's <laughs> a what you want. thousand stores and a thousand licensed producers. Right. Um, and we're not going to mandate any products. Mm -hmm. Right. So like go have that thousand milligram cake that is bananas. Right. Or gummy bears that look like gummy bears. Yeah. Right. Um, that was a lesson that the Canadian government learned very uh, aptly because what happened is they the after a while, the government of Colorado went, oh, crap, we shouldn't have done this. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done this. A, a good rule in politics or in most things is it's much easier to give people something than take it away. So Canada adopted the philosophy of make the rules strict and then lessen mm -hmm. them as we go. So, you know, we supported that idea in the beginning, right? It's much easier to have a strict rules that's consistent, predictable, and is based on common sense. Especially if you have kids, you ever give a kid a toy and then take it away, you're in big trouble. It's not a fun situation to be around. We're surrounded in a room full of um, hockey jerseys. Yeah. We've get, we've had hockey players that we've lose and you'll yeah. see adults <laughs> weep and cry. So, you know, um, it, it's tough to take things away from people, especially politicians who their job is to yeah. represent the citizenry and, and try and make good policy and get reelected. Um, so that's a very difficult circumstance to do. Um, 
the interesting thing is I had always thought that was the mentality, but when, um, the health Canada released the rules for, uh, edibles, they actually made the rules for marketing even stricter. And that was very surprising because, you know, my canned line is I work for a company I can't tell you about and we sell you a product that I can't tell you yeah. what's in it and how it's going to affect you. And the only place you can consume it is at the darkness of your own home. That's pretty tough to build a brand. And the difference is when you go into a grocery store, you don't have an opportunity to go in a store across the street that's selling illegal beef. Mm -hmm. We had that in the cannabis sector. Yeah. We were displacing a ferocious, a trenched, illegal market legacy market illegal market there was a little column a, a little column b that's a very difficult thing to do um especially when you can't tell them about the good things that mm -hmm. you're doing and the good things so i'm very hopeful that the government is starting to willing to listen to the necessity to change i think the fact that 54 nations on earth are now starting to do it mm -hmm. um is really starting to speed it up I think the fact that in March, um, the United Nation is talking about delisting um, cannabis and CBD uh, or the possibility of that is starting to give the government clearance on having those conversations. Um, but w we need to do more as citizens, as people that uh, in and around the cannabis sector um, to help give politicians the comfort to stand up and support our sector. Like producers are disproportionately in small and rural communities mm. where this has been an incredible economic driver. But how many mayors or small rural politicians have you stood up and say, hey, hey, get your hand off that business. Those thousand people that are now are in Olds, Nanaimo, um, Smith Falls, um, Charlottetown, we can't lose those jobs. Right. Those are replacing jobs. And we haven't seen anybody do that yet. So I think we're getting to a point where um, we need to come together and make sure that politicians realize that it's okay to support the sector. Um, and that's way we'll start to create real change. And I think we're getting closer uh, than we were even six months ago. All right, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, Fire and Flower. Sure. What's, um, I, I guess, is there a, a main motto? Uh, uh, you know, how, if somebody asks you about fire and flower what do you want them to know canada's cannabis shop i think you know we have always aspired to um bring uh cannabis to canadians um and be a place where they can come in and be educated and ask questions and have an interaction with the staff uh of people who um are passionate uh, dedicated and educated. And really because, um, we're breaking down stereotypes, they need to have that positive interaction mm -hmm. and making sure that, um, the people in our stores look like, uh, the variety of Canadians, right? So that we're an inclusive, diverse, um, age ranging, uh, company who represents what cannabis, um, can be. And that it isn't the, um, it isn't everything that people think it is. It's much, much more. And, um, you know, we want to do that and bring it to, uh, small and local communities and really talk about, um, this is a safe and equitable way to buy a legal product that you can buy illegally with none of the, um, oversight mm -hmm. regulations and testing and, 
you know, we aspire to be, um, you know, really lead that conversation and that call. Well, and, and I think that's uh, interesting. I was just uh, in one of your two stores in uh, St. Albert recently, mm -hmm. and there was a guy who was uh, much older than me and a girl who was much younger than me working the store. And I thought, well, that's that because, you know, there might have been a, uh, a thought of what the cannabis care, uh, consumer looked like, and maybe that was uh, preconceived notions mm -hmm. from a lot of people, but... The cannabis consumer is rapidly changing, I think. The fastest growing population of cannabis consumers in Canada is seniors. Awesome. Right? Like that is the fa that is the fastest Doesn't growing that make population. You, does it excite you? Of course it yeah. does, because you know, as the government guy, they vote. <laughs> um, so yeah. you know, if they get mobilized up and say, Hey, like we like this product, right. um, it would be nice to be able to go into my store and ask me what helps with pain, sleep, anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, creativity, giggliness, so on and so forth. We can't say any of those right. things now. And we understand that we can't say those things now, but we look forward to the opportunity to working with researchers, government, to be mm. able to say those things in the future. Because when people are coming in, like seniors, they're asking for those things. Um, and that does excite me because this is a democratic product that actually is sold to all segments of our population from the young, or from the legally uh, responsible age of consumption right. to the oldest people in our communities, right. from the richest people in our communities to the poorest people in our community. And that's a really interesting circumstance because that isn't a lot of products that have that kind of reach. Yeah. Um, and it allows you to perhaps tell a different narrative and be proud of this as something that Canada stood up and did first. Um, and th that's kind of neat to see that, those stories. One of my uh, favorite stories uh, about St. Albert, um, that specific store is our lead educator when we opened was in JTF2, hmm. right? Here he was from the Joint Task Force, one of Canada's best soldiers um, who had got back from Afghanistan, who had PTSD, and he was utilizing cannabis mm -hmm. medicinally to help him with those effects. And he wanted to stand up and share those benefits with other people. And you would never have thought this gentleman who had grown up in the military to being one of Canada's elite military forces right. would be selling cannabis in a retail store. But it's because of the effect that it has on people and the passion that people have for it um, is amazing. And uh, that's a really exciting thing to share um, because to your earlier point, what does cannabis look in, like in three years? Mm -hmm. Right, like when you start to get past um, the stereotypes and get to normalization, it's very exciting to think what it could be. Well, here's an idea that I have, and and you mentioned maybe someday you'll be able to talk to somebody about a migraine mm -hmm. and what. So I envision down the road, you walk into a cannabis store, you want to get some advice from a doctor, you sit down at a cubicle, and it's uh, by a computer. The doctor doesn't have to be in there. Uh, it could be a FaceTime situation. Here's what we're talking about. And then some sort of setup like that. I know that's not coming now, but that's what I envision of the future of cannabis is you can get your uh, medical, your your wellness advice right there mm -hmm. at some point. So I think, you know, there is like, you know, Shoppers has done uh, a lot of work in the medicinal field and has a fairly strong um, a cannabis wellness component and a medicinal component. And I, I think there's an incredible um a path for that just like there is for the recreational getting back to the original um the three differentiations in the cannabis mm -hmm. task force wellness medicinal and um recreational. recreational 
wellness doesn't have to mean, you know, doctor prescribed. That's right. You know, once we've done the research and can be able to claim, make claims based on longitudinal um, research and analysis, we're going to be able to say those things. And so CBD, which is exploding circumstance right yeah. now, um, people are making a lot of claims about, right? Um, it'll be great when people can come into those things and we can say that topicals are coming, mm -hmm. right? Um, the anti-inflammatory. I have thing. knee pain. Yep. I'm looking forward to trying a topical, seeing how it works. Yes. And you're not alone. No. Like there's a I lot know. of people that are out there that are looking for the same thing. So, you know, it, it'll be very interesting as the rules lesson uh, are in their strictness that we can start to make claims based on research and education. Mm -hmm. And then we can start helping people um, with wellness and recreation. Right. And there's still always going to be an incredibly important component for medicinal. And that is something that will continue to develop. And there'll be more things. Mm -hmm. THCP that we already talked mm -hmm. about, you know, if it's 30 times stronger than THC, is it a replacement for opioids? Right. Like that. Yeah. I, I can't answer that question that there's like the research be, might. But that's a really interesting thing. Mm. And that's, again, one cannabinoid of 140. Like what we don't know is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really exciting because we don't know what we don't know. Uh, and and like I like the iceberg analogy because the research that's going to come out on this, like I love being able to smoke a joint, but I can't wait to to find out more about the cannabinoids. I also can't wait to see vape pens in Alberta and drinks in Alberta. Um, we've we we as you mentioned, other provinces had them under the tree at Christmas time. We did not. When do you see vape pens? What is what is the the stall right now well i think you know um and it's not just alberta we should we should make sure that we talk about you know um, two atlantic canadian provinces oh, okay. have kind of had that challenge as well so okay. you know when we saw the explosion of the concerns in um the states people got very concerned as uh, politicians and and making sure that we were um maintaining public safety and public health you know um we completely uh understand that the the really challenging thing is when you start to look at the research that is coming out of the states is uh, you know of the 2700 cases mm -hmm. of problems in the states with vaping three are from legal sources right yeah. it, it's from the illegal market where the significant problems come when you have no clue what they're putting in there you have no idea what they're filling with you have no idea what thc is in there what cbd is in there so on and so forth um so when we are talking to provinces like alberta and pei um we're saying like look you know, we can order this product right now to this boardroom where we're sitting down with you, minister, because the illicit market is continuing to sell these products with none of the safety and reg rigor that is being done by Health Canada mm -hmm. and by your own regulator. We need to make sure that we're bringing those products in because it's obvious that consumers want it. Um, but we want it with a, the testing and oversight of a legal Health Canada certified product. So people feel safe. So people feel safe because if we don't, they're going to still continue to buy it from the illegal market where you could be buying bunk. And I would much rather see a product that was regulated and tested and was sold through a legal enterprise with taxes and oversight than a product that I have no clue what's in it that I could buy right now. And they don't care about 
vape bans. No. So um, I think that message is starting to resonate with government, and we're really excited to continue to work with government to uh, to push that men- mentality and understanding that public safety isn't just about products. It's making sure retailers and consumers mm-hmm. have product choice that they want because it's already out there and we have to break those consumer patterns and bring them into our stores to buy the legal products because if they don't they can buy the illegal products mm-hmm. and that's starting to really resonate so do you have do you do you have a guess on when well i think in alberta um you know the the minister of finance has been a very open that he is looking to tie uh the vape decision to the uh tobacco report that um right. the the province undertook when it came to a review of um of um of tobacco vaping um you know that report is is due soon you know weeks not months um so we hope that we make sure we have a positive result um and we are strongly advocating to the government that um let us sell a product that is exactly what we just talked about Mm -hmm. health canada tested um taxed um uh, you know, and because the illicit market is selling it right now and none of those things. The other challenges though, that just quickly to add mm-hmm. in this regard is we gotta be careful about how much we're taxing stuff, right? Like, you know, Alberta is a, is a key example. We have 24.3% excise tax That's in ridiculous. Canada. So when you think about that, just as a, as a quick analogy, and I know it's not apples to apples, oranges to oranges, but when you bring in a gram of tobacco in Alberta, the tax on it is one penny. When you bring in a gram of cannabis in Alberta, it's $2.43 is the taxation. 2,430% more. Like that's a significant difference. And the people who are really taking advantage of that are the people who are, don't have to pay that. And that's going to be, again, the illegal operators who are filling the void that they can't, um, as legal operators, compete with. Um, So it's putting tough pressure on stores, mom and pops, medium chains, big chains to compete in an environment where there's a lot of regulation, there's a lot of tape, the margins are tight, there's product supply, product variety isn't out there. We're not allowed to talk. And there's a lot of taxation. The people who are really winning right now are the illegal market. And we need to change the conversation and work with governments to realize that's the case. And provincial governments that are getting 24% in in taxes. I mean, that's got to be one of the highest in Canada. It's the second highest behind none of it. And the challenge is we're still losing. But we have the most stores. Like it just, it just. While to still me, losing money. Yeah. And just, that's the tough thing, right? Yeah. So so we need to work together to figure out how do we can create a competitive environment where we can displace the illicit market. And then once we've done that, we can have a conversation about what taxation and marketing and all that looks like. But that should be our fundamental three things. I always come back to the three things. A regulated, tested product, right. elimination of the illicit market, and keeping cannabis out of the hands of youth. And we're failing on two of those. And we need to work with government to make sure that they are creating a regulatory framework that allows those companies who have taken the bold initiative mm-hmm. to try and bring legal cannabis to um, the market can compete against a ferocious illicit market. And we're not there yet. What would you say, say percentage-wise, um, the stigma has dropped? over the last year plus in regulation. I mean, there's been no riots. 
Uh, as you mentioned, nobody's jumped out of buildings. Uh, reefer cats aren't madness. marrying dogs. Dogs aren't marrying cats yeah, in the like streets. It's, it's not reefer madness like some people were worried about. Do you think the stigma has lessened in Canada over the last year and a half because there have not been any catastrophes? So I went to, um, during the election, uh, I went to a public affairs company polling presentation um, in Ontario. And when they did polling about issues that Canadians cared about, cannabis polled at 0.4%. It was below animal safety. Wow. Right? Like the thing that we have to remember is, and 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 this is some of the thing about the legacy market. And, and there's a classification and difference between legacy and illegal. Like legacy are the people who wanted to do the rules the right way for a product that they believed in. Right. Um, and wanted to advocate against a policy that they fundamentally didn't see make sense. Right. So let's classify them as the legacy sure. actors. They're, they're the people who stood up and fought the fight that we are now living in. The illegal they operators, paved the way. they paved the way, right? And, and, and we have to understand that, you know, they weren't doing everything legally, right? But they were fighting the fight in something that they mm. believed in fundamentally. Right. And, you know, but they were trying to do things like get the rules in Vancouver changed so that you could do it legally and it was mandated and provincial right. oversight and all of that stuff. There's illicit operators who aren't the same, right? Um, but the thing that we have to remember is Stats Canada which by the way has done some phenomenal statistical analysis on cannabis before legalization stats canada estimated that between 22 to 26 percent of canadians consume cannabis in a population of 39 million people mm -hmm. we're talking about an 8 million person market before yeah. legalization right. like look i love the conversations that were happening when it was like what about cannabis is going to be in our workplace it's already in our workplace it, it, like it's ubiquitous in society. Like the war on cannabis as did not work, no. right? That's why we had to have a new policy that yes. actually allowed it to be regulated, tested, taxed, and given opportunities for telling Canadians who hadn't used cannabis, mm -hmm. like the fastest growing population of seniors, that there is a product that can potentially help them with some of the things that they want help with. Um, and, you know, that environment, um, has allowed for faster societal normalization than I think people were expecting. Yeah. And to your point, we didn't see a hundred car pile up on the hen day. Nope. You know, you didn't see people driving into the ditch or trees or whatever it was that like the, the visionary. Of there were, what it, there were more fires when the Oilers went to the Stanley <laughs> cup final in 06 on white Ave than there have been from legalization of cannabis. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, we talk about what's next. I think the the next one that's really interesting to me is social consumption. Yeah, I want so, to chat with So that. social consumption, I think, is, um, you know, everybody thinks cannabis uh, lounges or cafes. Um, they have that idea of Amsterdam, right? It's mm -hmm. you go buy some cannabis, you, ro you roll a joint, you smoke a joint. We're not talking about that. We're talking about chefs and mixologists who are building and making you meals in which cannabis is specifically designed at measured doses to have an effect for your tolerance and for the effect that you wanna have, um, that you can actually have that in um, a restaurant or bar environment. That's a really interesting circumstance. And when you look at the, the, the evidence and statistics, one of the largest demographics who are not in cannabis consumption yet is females, 
right? Mm. Females are not, do not smoke in large numbers, right? Um, and the main product that came into cannabis legalization was of course flour, mm. right? Um, so, you know, there's some interesting chefs who have done some really interesting analysis. Um, and one of the chefs that I had an opportunity to talk to who has done, you know, um, over 3000 dinners across North America, his statistics are that um, 53% of the people who have come to his 3200 dinners have been women. The average age of consumption is 42 mm-hmm. and 26% of that 3000 people are first time users. That's a really interesting set of circumstances because when we create consumption areas um, where it's not smoke and joints, but it's actually food and edible that you can actually tailor the level of intoxication and inebriation that you want, you can pick the effects that you want and the food and drink that it's gonna be in, that's gonna be a really interesting way to bring a population base into um, the marketplace. And I think that's when you start to see real pivots in our society Mm -hmm. from the tropes to the advocacy. And this is where I think you've seen um, some of the challenges in cannabis 1.0 become the opportunity for cannabis success in Canada in 2.0, because the world is looking for us to do this right, because as everything, we're doing it first. And there's a lot of places in the world that would love to say cannabis tourism. And one of the ways that you're gonna do that is from good food, um, good drinks on a beach somewhere with cannabis. Um, That's gonna be a really interesting circumstance and Canada can lead that way. So some of the challenges that we've had on 1.0, we can fix on 2.0. And one of the ways to do that is social consumption. Cannabis tourism is is, is such a big thing that is slowly growing, but needs a little bit of help from- We haven't even, the iceberg. We haven't even thought about what it'll be, right? Like it's crazy to think, just I'm gonna geek out as the food guy here for a second. So when you think about that strain, so, you know, um, you know, I'll just use an example. So seven acres um, from Jack Hayes, which is mm-hmm. a cannabis strain that I really enjoy, has two primary terpenes, which are, of course, the essential oils in the cannabis, yep. which are pinene and lemonene. One cooks at 148 degrees and one cooks at 168 degrees. As a chef, I could potentially cook your meal or infuse something at one degree of uh, temperature and then use the same product to cook another piece of the dish Mm. at another flavor so you could get both flavors that augment that dish Mm. that's crazy town like like the ability to change food by using something that can actually enhance a food while creating an an, uh, a positive inebriant effect where you can pick your dosage there's nothing in the world like that no that's cool there's nothing like that on the alcohol market. No. Like not even no, close. The, like there's cannabis uh, vaporizer products now, for example, where every time you pull that vaporizer product, you're getting exactly 2.25 milligrams, huh. right? So you're gonna get to the point where you're gonna be able to pick the level of specificity of inebriation that you wanna f- pick for right. you as an individual. There's no, there's no other inebriant. You're dialing like it that. in. You're dialing it in. You're dialing it, you're in. Dialing exactly it into yourself. Exactly for you. Yeah. And the person sitting beside you 
we'll have a completely different yeah. experience. Everybody experiences cannabis differently. That, you know, do. like there are general, like, okay, this might make you a little bit couch lock, but for some person it might not. Yep. So I think you, when you can dial it in, it's so important. Okay, let's wrap with this. Sure. Uh, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what you have to do in, in speaking with different government officials, but we also, uh, all of us, um, have this responsibility mm-hmm. of ending this stigma. And I think we're all working hard to do it. How do you think, uh, what do you think is, is the best way to decrease this stigma of cannabis? We need or cannabis, sorry, um, Can- uh, not cannibalism. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not go there. Cannabis. We should be very clear. Canada, <laughs> cannabis does not create cannibalism. Canada if there is a not legalized. Yeah, we have if, not if there's legalized. a politician, we are not saying that. We uh, did not legalize people, cannibalism. Yeah, though. Yeah. Um, um, I think one of the things that we really need is um, traditional economic actors, um, the lawyers the accountants, the transportation companies, the construction companies, the printing companies, the universities, the agricultural, so on and so forth and so on and so forth, who have made a lot of money and will continue to have a, make a lot of money and create businesses that have an opportunity to do the most un-Canadian thing uh, in a corporate world, which is scale internationally. Uh-huh. and be at the forefront of an opportunity to take their Canadian business and export it to the world, either through product or expertise, need to stand up. And we need to have them stand up arm in arm with us so it's not just cultivators and retailers who are fighting that fight, but it's the guy who's selling mm-hmm. the lights. It's the guy who is running a law firm that is now specifically about cannabis or you know those people who are working in our communities that you don't even realize their significant part of that small and medium business is now actually building the cannabis sector and having an opportunity to grow that business internationally. And we need them to stand up with us to create a chorus of voices to change the narrative. Because as soon as we do that, um, politicians will be less afraid because it won't, um, they won't be worried about the stigma. Mm. They'll be start to talk about the opportunity And the second we flip from it being a negative to an opportunity is when we have been successful and the Canadian cannabis sector can lead the world. Yeah, like somebody at home might not think uh, there's a lot to do with cannabis that they they want to participate in, but once they see all these other sectors, it normalizes it, right? And they're already doing it. Right. Like, so, uh, you know, we created a slide deck. So I'll, you know, I'll use fire and flower exactly in this circumstance. So in, from the first year and a half for legalization, we spent $85 million with 37 Alberta uh, companies. Like that's just one retailer, right? (laughs) You know, Aurora has spent a billion dollars in this province. Right, like that's mm. a lot of tradespeople. Right. That's a lot of construction companies. That's a lot of steel people. Olds Sundial now has nine hundred people that work in Olds, right? In the cannabis sector, a, a um, an economy that was really hit hard by oil well, and gas. They went from oil and gas to oil and grass. Yeah, well done. That was yeah. well done. Um, I didn't come up. With that. Oh, no, no, I, I you can't, should take credit. I can't take full credit. That was said to me. So. Um, but you know, those are the stories we need to tell. Right, because um, then everything starts to change where politicians, instead of not wanting to touch it, wrap their arms around it. And um, then we can start telling that story. And like, look, we 
you know, cannabis has gone through a really difficult time in the in the last year since legalization. We mm -hmm. see it in the in the in the pages of the business section every day. But when it comes to um, uh, societal impacts, it's way less than people think. And there's way more opportunity than mm -hmm. people think. And it's our job to try and get them to become from the couch to advocates uh, on the front lines. Nathan, this has been uh, a lot of fun. Thanks so much for stopping by. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you the last little while, and I'm, I'm really excited about uh, uh, the, the cannabis industry and, and especially what you guys are doing. It's not every day you get to have the somebody from the biggest cannabis company in the world. Retailer in the world. Retailer, retailer, retailer in the world in <laughs> studio. So it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for this. Thank you very much for your time. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. He is back, uh, back from uh, vacation. Um, Hope you enjoyed yourself. Chris Science in uh, Nova Cannabis, Jasper Ave, location manager, and our educator is back with us. How was your trip, man? Oh, it was really good. Um, really, uh, a lot of booze, a lot of drinking there. Yeah. Mexico, all-inclusive uh, resort. Uh, I was for a wedding. Um, wedding went off without a hitch, though. I was actually the photographer for the wedding, so nice. ended up taking 1,200 photos. Uh, but everything went really well. It was uh, all high school pals. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had a good time. Awesome. That is excellent. And, uh, back in the land of snow <laughs> and, uh, cannabis discussion. And, uh, today, uh, we are going to do something, uh, as I pull up the shot, there we go. It's uh, caliber, uh, berry white is the strain an indica dominant hybrid. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, caliber yeah for sure caliber uh they're pretty new lp to the alberta market um so their uh, parent company is called sprout sproutly and they're out of ontario and sproutly is a pretty interesting company they've got a few different uh brands within the company all cannabis related and they received their cultivation license in june of 2018 mm -hmm. and uh they've been growing cannabis uh in the GTA, the uh, Greater Toronto Area, um, in a growth facility that's uh, 16,000 square feet. So it's pretty big. Uh, and it's called the Toronto Herbal Remedies. And, and that's where the caliber cannabis is grown. Uh, but within Sproutly, it's pretty cool. They have this company called Infusion Biosciences. Mm. And they acquired them in August of 2018. And uh, this company invented a water-soluble cannabis solution that they called uh, Infuse 2.0. And it's pretty neat because uh, it provides a quicker onset and also a quicker offset than typical ingestible cannabis products. So, uh, and with it, the, the term is actually uh, aqueous, aqueous phyto recovery process. And it's patent pending, so it's pretty neat. Uh, how it works is uh, you got a five-minute onset, so you consume this uh, this cannabis. Uh, right. Uh, and yeah, instead of the typical unpredictable onset of you know 30, 30 to sixty minutes, you're mm -hmm. looking at a five-minute onset to really feel it, and the offset can be up to ninety minutes, and then you, it's out. You you know you're good. So with that, it's pretty nice. It's not a full day commitment. It's kind of similar to having a, a drink with your lunch. It's like a nooner. Yeah, it is <laughs> totally like a nooner. Yeah. And it allows the user to self-monitor the dosage in real time and kind of see where, where they're at versus like 
I'm not sure if I'm going to feel more with, you know, the typical edibles right. and ingestibles. So um, that's going to be coming down the pipe. We haven't seen those beverages on the market yet. Not yet. But uh, th- that, that's perfect. You know, barbecue season, party season, Christmas party season. Um, you have one of those. It's similar to having one or two drinks. And, you know, people have their own limit for when they, you know, one drink, cut off. I'm not driving. Two dr- or, you know, one drink, I'll, I'll wait a bit and, you know, be... be under the limit and able to drive two drinks, I'm, I'm cut off. And this yeah. could be a similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. And they even mentioned too on, the, on some of the research that I did on this stuff that uh, the, the effects are very similar to smoking cannabis versus mm. ingesting it. Like they, they, it gives you that high, um, mm-hmm. you know, the quicker come down too. So uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited to see this stuff hit the market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the infusion biosciences. Uh, we also got to talk about uh, JV. Uh, joint venture and that's a uh, nice eight- play on words with the yeah, joint for yeah, sure right <laughs> and so in april of 2019 um sproutly partnered up with uh, moosehead breweries uh, and they're actually they're, they're one of the oldest and largest uh, yeah. breweries uh, in canada here and they're going to be releasing some thc and cbd infused beverages um, using that infused 2.0 uh, technology. So that'll be pretty exciting. That's a pretty good company to, to partner up with, I would say. They have obviously, like you said, uh, a lot of experience. Uh, I'm a big fan of Moosehead. I yeah. think there's like a Moosehead uh, uh, Looney Bin uh, bank over there. That, there uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of Moosehead. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So we're talking about uh, Barry White, an indica dominant hybrid. Uh, from Caliber, and for those of you that are uh, watching us on uh, YouTube or WeTube, there's a look at it. Uh, this is a, a nice-looking strain, and it's got some big-time history behind it too, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the genetics with uh, Berry White is pretty cool. Uh, so it's a cross of uh, Blueberry and, uh, and White Widow, uh, getting, I guess, the uh, Berry White kind of name there. But uh, with that, I mean, Blueberry's genetics are uh, Afghani, crossed with Thai, crossed with Purple Thai. And White Widow is uh, Brazilian Indica, crossed with South Indian Sativa. So a whole bunch of land yeah. races. The um, common denominator there is land races, which for our new um, listeners, can you explain what a land race is? Yeah, land races, uh, it's a strain of cannabis where it was, you know, it was found in that area. It's named after the, the area that it was found. Uh, it doesn't really have uh, par- or, you know, parent genetics to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an OG. And from, from all these land race strains, we've made all these other hybrids and, and crosses throughout time. And we've uh, we've basically destroyed almost the sativa indica because there is so much hybrids out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Like everything is almost a hybrid now. Yeah, it is. I mean, fortunate that we can, you know, we got the indica dominant, sativa dominant, because there there are those effects. But yeah, sure. overall, if you break it down, there's just a a lot of hybrids out there with uh, really breaking down the the full genetics of strains. Uh, okay, so it's uh, we've got some pretty legendary uh, lineage behind this uh, to to create Berry White, Blueberry, and White Widow, and then the land races behind that. So you know that when you're when you're getting this, like this is what I think. I'm like this strain that I am going to smoke here. It's been around for so long. Yeah. You know, it's like wow, it's like the same guy. How many years ago was smoking this same strain that that I'm going to be having tonight? It's it's kind of like uh, when when you mention all those land race strains, yeah. it really hits home how much of a a legendary strain this comes from. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The amazing genetics. Also, like two of the more popular strains, like throughout mm-hmm. throughout the cannabis culture. Uh, you know, everyone talks about blueberry and white widow. Uh, I feel like white widow is with that one of those global strains. Yeah. Where, People that don't speak English will still ask for White Widow. Does that happen sometimes, like, uh, in your, um, you know, cross-traveling and, and especially working in retail? Uh, it does. I actually, the, why I brought that up is in Amsterdam, I remember hearing hearing a couple of people ask for White Widow in the stores that, you know, didn't speak English, but yeah. they're, they're, they're calling White it White Widow, Widow. yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, the website, if you want to check it out, is www.calibercana.com dot com um and they don't have a whole lot of strains and there's not a ton of information pretty basic website but Mm -hmm. you can find out history and and as we've been talking about a little bit more about their this strain and their other strain yeah for sure so um yeah just two strains on on the go right now Uh, i'm sure there's more to come Uh, i'm a big fan of the two strains that they did uh, select uh, the berry white obviously and uh, lemon skittle uh, which is a really cool one that's uh, Skittles uh, mm-hmm. crossed with a uh, Las Vegas lemon skunk. And um, it's a nice sativa dominant uh, strain there. Uh, haven't seen it come out in the rec market yet. Like here in Alberta, I haven't seen it available to order. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be grabbing some from my store once I do see it because uh, the genetics intrigue me. All right. I'm looking forward to talking about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for uh, the uh, the batch that I picked up here today, 121 nine percent thc um i'm guessing we would classify this as a bit of a level two strain not for the beginner yeah yep um i think so it's an intermediate strain i think a beginner might not want to jump into this one here uh, you know for your first smoker you know just just getting into it uh definitely for intermediates and and even advanced smokers will Mm -hmm. enjoy it too yeah um it is a good strain to make that stepping stone too uh if you've if you've been uh experimenting with cannabis for a little bit but you're still fairly new and you want to go up a level this Mm -hmm. is one of those ones it's a you know it's not going to be too heavy uh it's not uh you know sativa which for some new users can be a little bit too much so this is a good stepping stone strain i think yeah, you said it perfect, Dean. Uh, I think the fact that it's a little, a little bit of a lo- mid, mid to low THC yeah. there, that 12% isn't going to rock your socks. Uh, but you but still you're still going to enjoy you're it. You're going to enjoy it and feel the effects for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, berry white, um, and it's B-E-R-R-Y, like the berry, <laughs> yeah. but there's a little bit of a play on words with the name. So the name is kind of a, just a nod to the lineage. It is, yeah, with uh, blueberry and white widow. Uh, but it's also not to uh, Barry White. Uh, I, I saw on a few uh, few websites that I was researching, uh, just it hits smooth like Barry White. <laughs> the deep voice singer. I yeah. love it. So um, it, it, I think that's a, a nice play on words, and it's not a celebrity endorsement because I don't think Barry White uh, did any celebrity endorsing with cannabis, but yeah. um, very, very cool. There's also a couple other names for this as well out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, white Berry. Uh, so just kind of flip the, the names around uh, White Berry. And there's All actually right. a White Berry in the rec market right now. Uh, Symbol Summer Jam is, oh. is a White Berry. Oh, okay. And those pre-rolls have been out there. I'm a, I was a fan of their pre-rolls. So uh, that you can get. Uh, also, it's called Blue Venom. Okay. Uh, which I like that. The Blueberry and then the Venom, you know, being White, white Widow. Widow. Um, and with uh, Blue Venom, uh, I saw a tagline for it. Uh, Once you get bitten, there is no antidote. Ooh. So watch well, out. Then, then give me all the blue venom you can throw at me. I don't need an antidote for that. Yeah. All right. Um, when we take a uh, look at this, well, there's the uh, the cylinder 
plastic tubs. So, uh, you know, pretty standard, a uh, little bit different than some of the other ones with the cylindrical top. Yeah, it is um, a little bit smoother of a finish. Uh, I do think it's a little large for a one gram though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, when they when I brought it out, I'm like, oh, is this a three gram? I thought I was getting a one gram, but yeah. uh, no, it's it is a little bit big, um, but also recyclable. And then as we, uh, if you're watching on uh, YouTube or the Weed Tube, there you go. A nice look at this bud that we have here, and you know the the berry, the blueberry. You can see a little bit of the uh, the blue in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little flecks of blue for sure. I like the uh, two-tone green as well. Um, I like as much color in my cannabis as as possible. And mm-hmm. this is this is throwing a whole bunch of colors at us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of the deep bluish-orange buds. Uh, and yeah, like you said, the two, two tones uh, of green there is really nice. A um, little leafy, this the stuff we got. Yeah. Um, but uh, with that, I mean, great trichome coverage. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take some uh, little sugar leaves still in there like just compare the trim job of this to maybe like seven acres where it's just so tight uh, mm-hmm. but um, yeah i've had this uh, the berry white before it does smoke really nice and dark orange almost brown pistols like i'm i'm it's almost like reminds me of like a brown shoe that color of it yeah uh, that's good yeah. Uh, but it's uh you know listen we, we've uh, seen some before where you have to hunt and peck and find the pistols, this yeah. one, they're popping out ever. And, and the trichome coverage on this, like you said, you can even see a little bit of it in our shot here. It's uh, it's good coverage for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's, that's what I, that's important to me when I'm looking at my canvas. I want to see it covered in crystals. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, desired effect. Uh, when we are talking about uh, berry white, uh, oh no, sorry, I skipped one. Terpenes, my favorite. Ooh, uh, let's yep. Let's talk terpenes and and what we have in this bud. Yeah, so with uh, Calibers Berry White, uh, the three uh, dominant terpenes are limonene, which is that citrus kind of flavor and smell, uh, pinene, which is the piney kind of woodsy mm-hmm. smell, and then uh, caryophylline, your fave, uh, and mm-hmm. that's the, uh, the black pepper and spice. All right, I'm already looking forward to what this uh, tastes like, but uh, desired effect, what is the desired effect? Um, for me, you know, my consumption of it, uh, it's definitely a mood enhancer. Uh, it puts, puts me in a good mood and those around me that were consuming it with me, uh, great body effects with a nice, nice head buzz. And, uh, I found it to be very relaxing and, uh, and good for taking your mind off things. So just want to shut your brain off for a little bit. Well, I might be, uh, doing that after this. I might want to just, uh, shut the brain off for a little bit and relax and yeah get all that good stuff so um is would you would you say would you turn the term couch lock with this Nah, no i not overly i mean it it def it it is an indica um but you know i i find that you know it's it's not it's it's more for like chilling out uh it doesn't mean you're you're gonna be glued to your couch though Mm -hmm. it's not it's not that heavy in my opinion well that's good that's that's important for a lot of people because uh well, and, and, and we should point out that uh, everybody reacts mm-hmm. differently uh, to cannabis. Um, and uh, one person could get couch lock yeah. and say, wow, this really, uh, you know, knocked me out. And yeah. another person might not get, it might get something totally different. Yeah, yeah, it's for sure. It's important to, yeah, everyone is different. Everyone's got a different endocannabinoid system. Your biology will react differently, but 
Um, yeah, through through my experience, it's definitely not a not a couch locker though. All right. Uh, so I'm going to uh, test this out as you talk about uh, who and what this is good for. Unfortunately, the uh, one camera that I'm using conked out on me, so I don't think anybody's going to see me, even though they're watching, uh, uh, take this down with this uh, freeze pipe bubbler. But um, who is this good for and what is this good for? So who it's good for, uh, I would say uh, the intermediate smokers. Um, not quite for beginners. Uh, it's good for uh, someone that is, um, you know, looking to just re relax and, and chill uh, a bit. Yeah. And uh, I think what it's good for, uh, definitely chilling out. Uh, that's a big one for me. Uh, it's also good for uh, board games at night. Uh, that's that's come up. I've, oh, that's I've, cool. Yeah, I've done that in the past. Uh, and and for some consumers, uh, you know, it might be good for you know right before bed, kind of shutting down your day. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't find that it was for me, but, you know, I'm sure that if I were to smoke it, you know, right before going to bed, I, I wouldn't have any trouble falling asleep. It's not uh, not a buzzy strain at all. All right. So I like that conversation starter um, and board games at night and uh, the taste test. I'll tell you just what I got. Uh, there's there's some earthiness definitely to it. Like you, the, the, the one earthy and, and with berry, you're guessing there's there's a fruity taste. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, earthy and fruity for sure. Uh, with hints of spice uh, is what I found kind of cracked in there a bit. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I like those earthy strains of cannabis. It uh, kind of reminds me mm -hmm. of like my first days of with smoking cannabis. Yeah, and of course uh, hints of spice as as you would talk about with uh, karyophyllene. So mm -hmm. nice hints of spice. Uh, uh, I I I sometimes I find the the spice kind of comes uh, not as like an afterthought, but on the exhale a little bit sometimes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I fully agree with that. That's kind of come up. Uh, I've, I've thought that before um, with the exhale and yeah. the, that last little bit of flavor. That's where the spice usually hits. Okay. So a little earthy, fruity, hint of spice, berry white from Caliber, an indica dominant hybrid. This week on What's That Strain. Thanks as always, Chris. Can't wait to chat next week. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. That was a fun uh, conversation with my good friend, Chris Ionson. A couple of things to uh, tell you about just before we go. Uh, we are still having our 420 followers contest on Instagram. Uh, we wrapped up our 420 followers contest on Twitter when we reached 420. We're just over 100 followers shy on Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram please do at the cannabis one one podcast. And if your friends are tell them because the faster we get to 420 followers, the sooner we will put everybody in a draw and one of you will receive a cannabis one one podcast prize pack. Uh, you may be watching this on our YouTube channel or the weed tube channel. Thank you very much for doing that. If you are, if you're not and you're interested, you can check out what Podcast Alley looks like and uh, some cool stuff. We also have some product reviews and much more at our YouTube and the WeedTube channels. And if you want to come in studio with Chris Ionson and I for What's That Strain, you can. And it'll be called What's Your Strain. That's all you have to do. Email us with what strain you want us to review. You can do that at Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what strain you want us to review, and that's it. If you're picked, you can sit in studio with us. 
I'm going to give you a $100 shopping spree, and I'm going to try to convince my good buddy Chris to be your personal shopper. So what's your strain? It's in your court. Tell us what strain you want us to review by emailing us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Nathan Meissen uh, from Fire and Flower, uh, the VP of Government and Stakeholder Relations for Fire and Flower. Also, Chris Ionson of Nova Cannabis on Jasper Ave and What's That Strain. We did Barry White from Caliber. And I want to remind you that uh, we will be at the Cannabis Expo in Edmonton, April 25th and 26th at the Edmonton Expo Center. If you are looking for tickets, it's CannabisHempExpo.com for all your ticket needs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. And if you do, leave us a review so we could try to improve the show. If you'd like to be a part of the program, maybe as a guest, if you think you'd make a good guest, or as an advertiser, we have lots of affordable options available. Email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Thank you.